The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Merry Christmas. I pray that um, no matter what's going on in your life, God, through faith, gives you the opportunity to say, all is well. All is well. In your soul, most importantly. As we worship today, we get the privilege of just understanding and contemplating, meditating, worshiping why Jesus truly came to this earth. So no matter what you do today, as you start out with worship, as you go places, whether you're with family, whether you're with friends, whether you're by yourself alone, the Bible says this, that in all we do, we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through Him whom God sent at just the right time. In fact, the Bible says when the time had fully come, God sends Jesus on Christmas Day. Doesn't this look beautiful? I mean, isn't that awesome? It's great. I love every year how we decorate the church and how we just just come and say, yes, this is beautiful. And maybe you decorate your homes. And maybe you, you go out with your children. You, you, you go out and you look at the lights. But sadly, sadly in a few days or a few weeks, all this is going to be taken down. The trees are going to go down in our house. The decorations are going to be put away. The ornaments, all of that in our world, including us, are going to move on to the next holiday. Time marches on. That's just a fact of life, isn't it? I mean, some of you, maybe you've opened presents last night, and maybe you're going to wait after the service to open more presents or just for the first time open presents, and all those presents are going to bring joy for a little while. How long will that joy last? Because in a matter of moments, the kids will open a present, and they'll be looking around, where's the next one? Uh, that, that you're going to open. And I remember last night we opened early too a couple presents and I was helping my son try to fix this remote control car on this wheel and I broke it. I'm like, I can't even believe I just did that. You know, we played with it for a matter of 10, 15 minutes and dad broke the toy. I remember when I was really young, uh, actually, not so young. Uh, it was even in my adulthood. I used to love to get these remote control airplanes, these, these helicopters, right? And then, and then fly them around outside in the park or inside the house. In a matter of moments, either it was operator air or the, the, the plane or the helicopter just broke. You know, those presents uh, that we get, the things of Christmas really are temporary. The real gift of Christmas is who? It's Jesus. The real gift of Christmas is Jesus. I love this sign. When I first saw it a few weeks ago, it was just, wow. It was breathtaking. It was awesome because that's what it's all about. It's about Jesus. So I pray as we come together, you would understand that that gift of Jesus, it never runs out. It never breaks it doesn't need a warranty. In fact, that gift of salvation that Jesus brought is eternal. Forever and ever, it's yours who believe in Jesus. Because in Jesus, joy lasts forever. Amen? Joy lasts 
forever. So this morning, as we take a look once again of this historical account, there's all kinds of details of the Christmas narrative. A true biblical account, history, is a historical record right here in the Gospel of Luke and in Matthew. Uh, there's all kinds of details. We have the Virgin Mary. You have the stepfather Joseph. You have no room in the inn. You have the shepherds. You have the angels. All these things that we know over and over in our head. And sometimes as Christians, as believers, we know it so well that we kind of just go past some of the details that might seem really not as important to us. So this morning I want to focus on really just one verse. We're going to read the text in a minute, but, but just one verse from Luke chapter 2, verse 9. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, that's the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Five little words. Five little words. The glory of the Lord. And what does that mean? It's a detail important enough for Luke to record it. This phrase really is this. It's a powerful revelation of God's presence and His work at Christmas. And before we dig deeper into that, the glory of the Lord, I want you to just see a portion of Handel's Messiah. It's entitled, And the Glory. Now I hope that prepares your hearts to just listen now to the account of that first Christmas. My son Nathan is going to read it for you. You can open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. It's found on page 1590. Open that up. Nate, give him a minute to open up that Bible. Luke chapter 2, he's going to read verses 1 through 14. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be to, for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men 
on whom his favor rests. Thank you, Nate. Great job. So for the rest of my message, um, I don't often do this, but it's just kind of laid out the way I was preparing. You're going to see a number of Bible verses that are going to unpack those five little words. And the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. Now when we think about the word glory, we use it in everyday life in, in kind of these situations. Situations. Someone basks in the glory, right? When they've done, when they've achieved something, they, there was a great accomplish, we, we say you bask in the glory, right? Um, uh, there's another one also. When you see somebody uh, just, just doing their thing, you know, using the gifts that God gave them, you say that they're, they're in their glory, right? They're in their glory. You just know that this is the way God made them to do and be, and they're in their glory. Or when somebody achieves something phenomenal in their careers, in their jobs, or, or whatever it is, you know, they became a Supreme Court justice. It's their crowning glory of their career. Or maybe in downtown Detroit, um, when they're fixing up these old homes and these buildings, they're refurbishing, we say that it's restored like a theater. It's restored to their former what? Their former glories. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29 says, The glory of young men is their strength. The glory of young men is a glory. It's synonymous with honor, with worthiness, with splendor, with praise. And as, as you look at pictures that describe Christmas evening, Christmas night, and you see uh, angels depicted in, in the nighttime sky. Artists try to make it look so bright and shiny behind the angels. And we know, what we notice and what we focus on really is that, wow, the angels. You know, there's a multitude of heavenly hosts. But in the passage of Scripture, we read that, it's the, that necessarily the brightness and the shininess doesn't come from the angels, but from the Lord Himself. The glory of the Lord, the Bible says, shone around them. Angels reflect that glory. Yes, and, and even people reflect God's glory. More on that later. But this specific the phrase, glory of the Lord. It appears 30 times, at least, in the Scriptures. God, it's, it's describing God's greatness. When we talk about the glory of the Lord, uh, sometimes the Bible says it's a consuming fire. It's a cloud. It's brightness. It fills the tabernacle, the Bible says, and it brings godly fear. The glory of the Lord brings godly fear. So God's glory and described in the Scriptures, it's described as it appearing. That it, that, that it would come, it would be revealed, it can be seen. The glory of the Lord Almighty. And guess what? No human eye can see God's glory. It's impossible. It would be like these lights up here, shining on the altar, they're really bright. But you ever try looking at the sun for a number of seconds? No way! If we were to try to see God's glory, it would be brighter than anything we could imagine. Exodus chapter 33 says it this way, You cannot see my face, God's told Moses, for no one may see me and live. When my glory, when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back. But my face must not be seen. Another 
uh, verse that explains the glory of the Lord displayed really not just to Moses, but the whole nation of Israel is Exodus chapter 24. When Moses went up on the mountain, now here it is, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. When it came time for the people of God in the Old Testament to worship at the tabernacle, the Lord made His presence known. It says, Exodus chapter 40, 34 and 35, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And then even in later years when, the, when Solomon builds the temple, we understand from the Word of God that not even priests could go inside it in, uh, the, of the temple in certain times because the glory of the Lord was there. If they did, they would be killed. And then 700 years before Jesus is born, Isaiah the prophet, he prophesies in, in chapter 40, uh, verse 5, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. You know when that glory came to us? Christmas Day. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. It's Christmas Day. And so what about this? If you're looking at your sermon outline, I'm, I'm, in, I'm going to talk about Jesus' glory now. What about this God who comes in the flesh, whose birth that we celebrate today? What does the Bible say about the glory of Jesus? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's what? Glory and the exact representation of His being. So, just think about this. If that baby Jesus had that extraordinary glory, how could anybody look at Him? How is that possible? Philippians tells us this, that uh, uh, Jesus, that God made Him, well, that Jesus made Himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. See, the glory of Jesus, it was covered. By human flesh. That's what we, we call the incarnation. When Jesus is praying to His heavenly Father before He goes to the cross, John chapter 17, verse 5, He says this, And now, Father, glorify Me in Your presence with the glory I had with You before the world began. Jesus understands that God gave Him glory. And the disciples, they get a glimpse of this glory. In fact, John was on the Mount of Transfiguration seeing it. He says in John chapter 1, verse 14, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His what? Glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father. John had that chance. Peter also saw God's glory, Jesus' glory. He writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to Him from the majestic glory. I mean, isn't that amazing how He describes that? From the majestic glory, saying, This is My Son whom I love with Him. I am well pleased. You know, a day is coming. Not, not, when we think about Advent, 
these four weeks that lead up to this day, we think about a sense of anticipation and waiting. In the same way as Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, we also wait now in anticipation for Jesus to come back in heavenly glory. Look at what Matthew 25 says. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, that's His full glory. That's not veiled in the flesh anymore. When He comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. You see, followers of Jesus, we anticipate seeing that. That He's coming. That we're waiting for that day. And so what about us? What does the Bible say about glory for us? Do we have some of that glory? Do we share it? Romans chapter 8, verse 17 says it this way. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we also share in His glory. You suffer in this world? I do. Do you suffer physically? Do you suffer uh, mentally, emotionally? Do you suffer spiritually? Yes, well, the Bible says if we do that, we also then are going to share in His glory. We get to share that. And I mean, it's... Incredible to me. Colossians chapter 3 says it this way. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in what? In glory. In glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we who all reflect the Lord's, just like the angels, reflected the Lord's glory that night on His, on his birth. We too reflect the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory. And it's just amazing to me. A passage that promises glory to us. Another one from Philippians. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like His glorious body. It's incredible to think about God would share a little bit of his glory with me, a sinful person. One that I don't know, you know, sometimes why I would be standing here preaching to you. You know, when I write a message, it's not just preaching to you. It's preaching to who? At me. Right back to me, but that God would say, no, Tony, <laughs> you get a piece of this glory, and I'm going to share it with you. Wow, that's amazing, because I know what the Bible says. I know what the Bible says that we all fall short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says, that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7.20 that there's not a righteous person on earth who does what is right and never sins. Yet God chooses for sinful human beings to come into His glory. That's amazing to me because when we think about that, the holiness of God, I think that brings a godly fear into us. If it doesn't, then we better think about where we are right now. Because I know coming into this building, in this place of worship, who I am. And me standing up here, I can only do that by the grace of God. It's amazing. Psalm 24 puts it this way. And maybe you felt, feel like this too in your life sometimes. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? I mean, each one of us, do you ever say when you come into church sometimes in your life, who am I? Who am I to come into your holiness, God, into your presence? 
1 Timothy chapter 6, 16 says this, God alone has immortality. He dwells in unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see. The Bible says in Habakkuk that your eyes, God, they're too pure to look on evil. You can't even tolerate wrong. You see, as long as we're tainted by sin, and guess what, folks? That's going to be our whole life, isn't it? As long as we're tainted by sin while we live on this earth, we cannot see God. We can't look into His pureness, His holiness, His glory, His righteousness. That's why Christmas is so important. Because without Jesus, we would be inaccessible to God. We can't see God face to face, so He has to come to us clothed in his glory, clothed with flesh. But John chapter 1, verse 18 says it this way, No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only who is at the Father's side has made him known. Jesus, God the one and only, that's Jesus, has made him known to us. He came to this earth to live a sinless life, to obey perfectly God's command to be the perfect sacrifice for us. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So that little baby that we look at right now in this soft wood of a manger goes to the hard wood of a cross. And he extends his hands out. And he said, it's finished. It is finished. The debt has been paid. My debt and your debt On the cross, he dies. And yet, as he's buried in that tomb, three days later, he rises from the dead. And you see his glory. And that's what we get the privilege of doing. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, because of Jesus... He's made your heart pure. Even though sometimes it doesn't feel that way, Jesus has made it so that you are pure and you would be able to see the face of God. Is that your desire this morning? That you would see the face of God? Psalm 42 says it this way, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? When is that day? When will it be? Psalm 17 says, uh, As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. I mean, how bold is that to say? That I'm going to see your face when I awake. Only, Only a believer in faith knows that that's a possibility. That we can, because of Jesus, see God face to face. So I just want you to think about this as we, we leave this place. When will it be for you that you would see God face to face? When would it be when you celebrate that first Christmas with God the Father in all his glory, with Jesus the Son in all his glory? You see, today is Christmas. Yes, we think back on that day, but we also look forward. We look forward in anticipation with hope that Jesus is going to come again. And if he comes right now, I mean, that's it. I get to see God 
in all his glory. Not by my own works, not by what I've done, not by how many sermons I preach, not about how wonderful my, sing, my kids sing and all that. Nothing. Only because of Jesus and what he did.